0: Everyone, Welcome back to another episode of the Full Curl Family Man Podcast. Today I'm fired up. I'm hanging out with my buddy, James Rutledge. He is the head of wholesale and and the product expert for Ancestral Supplements. Dude is a crossfitter, a great outdoorsman, a hunter, uh, and definitely a family man. He's the father of two beautiful little girls, and I am jacked to talk to him today uh, about all things kind of nutrition, hunting, outdoors, and family value stuff. So, James welcome to the podcast my man welcome thank
1: you so much
0: for having me on man yeah man I'm uh I'm fired up man um we've been trying to make this happen for oh, gosh a couple weeks now and mostly uh my fault of not being able to kind of pull it together but man we had the we had the crazy snowstorm down here in Texas and stuff got stuff got weird and it, it was it was it was wild there for a few weeks wasn't it yeah it was
1: pretty crazy i, I believe we were trying to do this the week we actually had the snowmageddon and that got pushed back yeah. due to you know loss of power, loss of water uh and then a bunch of us ended up having some significant damages to our house um so we just kept pushing it back but uh, it feels good to finally be on and the anticipation has built quite a bit
0: yeah man absolutely absolutely yeah the uh gosh we got uh, i think 6 inches of snow on multiple days out here in the Texas Hill Country, and it was just something else. I mean, I know I, you sent me some photos of uh, y'all's place. Some, it looked like y'all got tons of snow as well. I know you had some some pipes bust in the house.
1: Yeah, we, uh, we woke up, and it was kind of like when I lived back in Colorado, you know, you wake up on Christmas Day, and there was, you know, four to six inches of snow on the ground. We didn't have power. We lost it at 530 that morning, and uh, I told my wife I was going to go out for a rock, and so I went into, uh, our storage, not really an attic. It's kind of underneath the stair- stairwell. <clears throat> and I got out a bunch of my winter jackets, all of my mountain climbing gear from when I went mountain climbing in Russia. And it looked mm-hmm. like I was getting ready to go, you know, climb a summit and, uh, threw on the rock, had all my gear on and, uh, walked around our neighborhood. We have a, we live off of a golf course. So I just walked probably for an hour. Uh, trudging through snow which sounds kind of ironic because we live in Texas um, but it was like yeah. I don't know 15 degrees that morning and uh, so I was just yeah. sucking it up for sure
0: yeah I uh, our kids had like a 15 minute window because we don't have we just we've never purchased anything like ski gear or any of the type of gear that you're talking about and and so you know we bundled up as best we could and get out get outside and kind of play around in it and I feel like my kids had like a 15 minute window where they were having fun. It was amazing. You know, the first big snow, uh, my twins, it was their first snow ever. And, and they were just having a blast for 15 minutes. And then they realized, oh my gosh, I'm soaking wet, I'm cold. And this hurts really bad. And then they were just done. Like they would like start crying meltdowns, wanting to go inside stripping off layers as fast as we could. Um, it was something else.
1: Yeah, we were in the same predicament because my kids didn't have any cold weather gear. So literally everything they had was cotton. And so when cotton gets wet and you're out in the freezing cold, it's not very fun. So we were on a a similar window uh, and we didn't have heat. So (laughs) we did the best we could Uh, next to our fireplace with limited wood. Uh, But our neighbors were gracious enough to let us come over and kind of warm up by their space heater. But yeah, I mean, it was like, oh, it's so fun and games. And then, you know, 15 months later, they are not having the time of their life anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah. I feel like that was the the theme for us as well. You know, the first day without power um, was just kind of like, okay, like we've got, you know, a stash of water. We've got, you know, we've got some, uh, some camping gear and some things that we can do to kind of make this work. And then as the second day rolled on the third day rolled on getting put on boil water notices, you know, continual, you know, no water, you know, having to shut down the pipes, it started to get, it started to get a little hairy there for a little while. I know um, a lot of Texans, you know, their houses got pretty cold. We were fortunate. Um, We had some intermittent power on kind of the second and third day that we were able to keep the house kind of in the fifties. And so, but I know a lot like my in-laws, their power was down and out for three or four days straight. And you know, they're, they're in their 60s right now i mean they they need power and when it's you know five degrees outside and 10 degrees outside um that was just that was a it was a hairy situation for a lot of folks
1: yeah we were fortunate enough that our power is out for only about 30 hours but during the 30 hours the inside of our house got to the low 40s and wow. it was miserable so that came back on and you know all of a sudden you're extremely grateful for electricity Well, we were out of water for about nine days uh, because of the busted pipes. Yeah. So filling up buckets of water, leaving those in our garage, you know, just to flush the toilets became a chore. Washing dishes, boiling water, putting in the sink, you know, because we cook a lot and, you know, we're constantly using a grill or our oven. Mm -hmm. And you just, you know, we had to take into account an hour for washing dishes, you know, 20 to 30 (laughs) minutes to boil enough water. Uh it was it was fun. It was a learning experience. And then after that, my wife really started to consider that we need to take precautions for the future as far as purchasing a generator um or buying those massive like hundred gallon storage bins you can put in your garage for water. And uh mm-hmm. so we had a few cases of water. We had plenty of dry food available, like jerky and, and whatnot for, for us and the kids to get by for a short amount of time, but anything sustained over a couple of days, I think would get, you know, a little dicey, but it was a learning experience yeah. and, um, you know, I'm glad we got to experience it for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, well, glad that you guys made it through. I know there's some damage, but made it through safe and sound. Um, the week prior to that, though, uh, you and I got to sync up. Um, this is actually how we met. We met at uh, Rome Ranch out here in the Texas Hill Country. And for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with Rome, they're a regenerative agriculture farm uh, there in Fredericksburg, and they've got you know everything from you know wild hogs, turkeys, whitetail, axis. They even have a herd of bison out there. Um, you know, listeners can check out, you know, Romranch.com to learn more about uh, all the amazing work that uh, Taylor and his crew are doing out there uh, for the environment and for the, the land that they're managing out there. And, uh, but we got to meet the week prior to that when it was uh, beautiful weather, 70 degrees, awesome hunt. But we were on a management hunt out there. And, uh, and Taylor had invited us out to participate in some of the whitetail deer management and access deer management out there.
1: Yeah, that was a long awaited hunt for me. Um, my first hunt ever was uh, the second week of October of last year because uh, I just moved to Texas last April. And one of my goals or ambitions while moving to Texas was to get into hunting and, you know, learn the whole tree craft. And yeah. went hunting in October. I went with James. I believe he met him while he was down there. We, yeah. uh, My wife and kids came along and they thought it was all great hanging out in the yurt, cooking and cleaning. And they got to mm-hmm. help uh, Taylor and his wife with the, not barn chores, but the farm chores and feed the bison. And my kids just Aided up, you know, being out there playing and seeing the turkeys and whatnot. So fast forward yeah, it's to November. Uh, what was that?
0: I said, yeah, gosh, it's an it's an incredible place. Oh,
1: sure. it's it's amazing for sure. Um yes, yeah. yeah, so we went back out there in November to harvest uh Thanksgiving turkey. And you know, because one of the things my wife and I are, are really trying to focus on is developing our own traditions. Mm-hmm. I know every family has their traditions, and so with us you know one of our things was you know moving to texas it was a completely starting over from clean slate with us and so when it came down to acquiring the turkey you know my wife goes i would like to do it and i said okay like have at it you know so i had already been deer hunting i had experienced the harvesting the the butchering and whatnot and she went in and manhandled that turkey because uh, we do jujitsu and <laughs> it was quite the <laughs> to see and um <clears throat> once we pulled it out of the uh the horse uh trailer that they were housing them in it you know it came time to put it out of its misery if you will so my daughter my oldest daughter and I held the the gun which would you know hit the the turkey on the head to rim it, uh rim it, Act, put it unconscious. And my wife, you know, mm-hmm. slipped the throat and uh, she went through all of that because I said, if you do the whole if you're going to do it, you need to do the whole thing in its entirety. Mm-hmm. So she did that and then she plucked it, she gutted it, literally the whole nine yards. And on the ride home, she broke down crying um, just because wow. of the experience of putting food on the table, quite literally.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it was during that day that, that Taylor goes, hey, you know, we're going to have an end of the year hunt. Would love it if you came out. So the anticipation for, for this weekend that you and I are getting ready to talk about was building up since November. Um, so I was quite excited to, to roll up uh, a couple weeks ago to the ranch and um, for some fire and ice. We can talk about that here in a minute. But yeah, man, it was just <laughs> a great weekend. I'm extremely thankful for Taylor inviting us out. And, you know, here we are now. And I think we have an amazing friendship developing
0: too. Yeah, man, absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, I want to go back to kind of your wife's experience and um, that emotion that that she felt, um, harvesting food for her table. I know that's just something that is so important to, to you guys and that sort of thing. And what an amazing way to, um, to bring your family and kind of bring your wife and introduce her. I mean, she jumped straight in. It sounds like kind of her personality. Like she went in, she jumped off the deep end and went all the way in, you know, but, um, but it sounds like just an amazing way, you know, great job by you for like bringing your family out to, to make it, you know, so, so often, um, even myself in my past, I've, you know, seen the outdoors as this thing that I do. Um, and this thing that, you know, I want to go and experience and it's my adventure and, you know, good for you for starting off on the right foot and bringing your family out into it and allowing that to be a family thing and a family adventure. That's definitely something that has been top of mind for me as my kiddos are starting to get older. Um, and And, you know, what are the ways, and my wife isn't super into um, on the the hunting component. She loves the meat. She loves where it comes from. She loves that it's... It's healthy you know, in, in every way, it's super nourishing and it's the best quality meat we could find. And she loves that component of it. But the harvesting component, um, she knows it, she embraces it, she understands it, but she also doesn't want to see it necessarily. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so man, good good, good by you for, for bringing your family out and starting the right way. Um, and so was this when, when we were out at Rome for the management hunt, um, you were able to take a deer down, I think you shot a spike, was that right?
1: yeah that's correct was um, that your
0: second deer Was uh, that your second deer
1: second it's my third deer ever it was my first one for that weekend the that first morning or evening i should say when we went out i got skunked that night um and if you've ever been hunting and been skunked it's not a great way to start a hunting trip <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah yeah, that yeah next but morning
0: we started it go ahead
1: i would say that uh the next morning was just Full of anticipation and uh, we can get into that uh here in a little bit but yeah it was my first spike i thought it was a doe <laughs> i guess my adrenaline was going a bit high the sun was still pretty low and it wasn't until i walked <laughs> up on it that i noticed it was a spike
0: yeah and that man that that happens um that happens to to all of us and so so man, we we rolled up to Rome and uh, and this was uh, we started off this hunt completely different than I've ever started off a hunt. We started off with uh, a fire and ice session, and that was something that was new to me. I'm I'm used to kind of the or I've done before like those cold plunges um, and you know cold exposure where you know getting into ice baths and that sort of thing. From a recovery standpoint, um, this had a little bit a little bit different element to it. Um, we were uh, we started off in the sauna and we spent about 15 minutes in the sauna and then we spent four minutes in a uh, ice bath and then back to the sauna and then back to the ice bath. And I think we did what, three rounds of that total? We
1: did three, four rounds and we ended on cold. Yes.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was something else, man. Is that something that you uh, have done before or was that new to you too?
1: I, I've, I've done them separately, but never in conjunction. I've done contrast showers those aren't quite the same as a full blown sauna and then followed by jumping into an ice bath. So uh, the whole experience was, was new to me as well.
0: Yeah. Are you, uh, are you familiar with all the benefits, um, from those, I, I know I know that the ice bath. I've always understood it as a a great way to um, decrease inflammation, you know, post workout and just at large. But then the the fire and ice component and the kind of the contrasting back and forth. Are you familiar, like more familiar, with the the depth of kind of what that does to the body?
1: I know going from one extreme to the next, it helps flush out the lymphatic system. Um, and it just Mm -hmm. helps you become more flexible with temperature variances. So for people Mm -hmm. that, you know, do the sauna can typically handle hotter weather easier. Uh, and the same with cold, you know, we're, we're accustomed to it getting warmer, but no one likes to be cold. And I don't know if that's just passed down through genetics of the last ice age, but typically no one likes to be cold. So, you know, I, I. I think it just kind of hits our, our genetics and that we really don't want to be in this kind of predicament or an environment and just pushing through it just it's also great for the mind as well to push past those barriers but yeah. as far as the in-depth knowledge i'm not too familiar with you know the exact uh, science behind it
0: yeah you know i uh i felt great i mean i felt amazing afterwards for probably at least the next three four days um you know post that it was uh it's pretty great, amazing feeling. I, I felt definitely uh kind of more limber, more loose. Um, the joints and all the old kind of strongman powerlifting injuries and kind of tightness uh in certain places that is, you know, just kind of almost a normal thing that uh, I would, you know, I'd experience if I don't stay on my, you know, mobility and don't stay on my stretching. Um, all of that seemed to subside pretty substantially over the preceding days.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. It was uh it was a nice way to, to loosen up before the hunt, you know, get your mind right. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it was, a little, it was a little, you know, my whole drive over there, I lived about four hours away from the ranch. And the one thing I kept thinking about was, why am I coming here to jump in this freezing cold water with you guys? Um, <laughs> but it's so worth it when you're done. And I'm really glad we did it and pushed through
0: me too. Me too. And and I'm with you that I really appreciated the, uh, the mental challenge of, Oh, we're now we're going to get in this, you know, 40 degree water and then we're going to and taking the body from extreme heat to extreme cold you know that 40 degrees feels even colder um after coming out of a sauna and uh and so that was really fun i'd encourage our listeners to explore that look into that um don't just take our word for it but uh and also do some homework on it there's some kind of specific protocols and that sort of thing to keep you safe and be mindful of certain things while you're doing it and so but yeah man we went from we went from that and then we went out that night We got on the ranch and we started hunting. Tell me about kind of your your first night um, hunting experience. I know you said you got skunked and that sort of thing. Did you see anything at all?
1: Yeah, so that night walked out to the blind over by the pond and I saw a couple squirrels and a raccoon Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I did not see a single deer for the first two or three hours. So really yeah. quiet, really yeah. frustrating from the hunting standpoint. But however, just being out in the middle of a ranch completely alone, it was that part meant so much to me. Um, it was my first time hunting, quote unquote, by myself. Really, mm-hmm. you know, you're with a hunting partner or a guide and it was just me. And so you think about a lot of things you see shadows, you think it's a deer, um, you want yeah. it to be a deer, and uh, it just didn't work out. But it was just kind of quite meditative, to, you know, just to be out in the bush and, and be down there towards the sunset and, you know, listening to everything. But unfortunately, you know, we got yeah. stumped, but I think that following evening uh, made up for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, um, I find that my time... Uh, like my quiet time out in, out in the woods in God's creation, it just has this like spiritual connectiveness, um, the ability to kind of disconnect from your phone and disconnect from, um, you know, because you, if, if you're, you know, if you're engaging with the adventure, if you're engaging with with the environment, then you're not on your phone waiting for the deer to come by. You know your phone's down. You're focused on what's around you, what's moving, what's you know what's what's brushing in the leaves, and you know uh, what are the, what's the sound, and um, you know you're you're letting your, your your eyes are playing tricks on you, kind of like you described, where every shadow looks like a deer, and uh, and every bird jumping in the leaf is a deer walking by or something like that. Um, yep. But it's I can't agree more that it's just a great time to kind of um, slow down a little bit and everything. I, I had a, a similar experience that night um, where uh, we didn't have any, on my end, I didn't have any deer come in range on our side of the property. They put me in a uh, a big field blind, um, really great setup, uh, was able to kind of get out and kind of take a longer shot in that, that particular area. and uh, And so Hope, hope, was hoping that that was going to open up some more opportunity. And I did see some axis kind of across riverbank on my side, but they kind of hung out on the neighbor's property and never, uh, never decided to jump the fence. There was a, a young white buck that bounced around a little bit out at kind of two, three hundred yards from where I was, and so, um, but didn't see much um, beyond that. And um, but it's always great to just to just be out there, to be in the blind, and to be experiencing it. And so, what did the next day look like for you?
1: so the next day started out super early i believe most of us were up by 4 30 or 5 Mm a.m and uh i was going to be in another blind with about a 130 yard shot to the feeder and um, so i got dropped off and it's pitch black and you know one thing about moving to texas is the amount of stars you see i didn't quite have that experience when i lived in florida And it's pitch black and I'm walking and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, you're going to have about a five or 10 minute walk to the blind. And I couldn't see more than 10 feet in front of me. So (laughs) I'm walking and I don't see the blind. So I start to freak out (laughs) that I'm going to miss the blind or the sun's going to come up and I'm not going to be positioned. And I was looking at my phone. I've been walking for 12 minutes and I started to hesitate And then, sure enough, I look up, and I'm right in front of the blind. So, (laughs) that was a a beautiful sight, for sure. (laughs) Climbed up, and, you know, everything looks so much different at night as opposed to when the sun hits it. And I was in a new area that I hadn't been in before, hunted before, previously on Broome Broome Ranch. And, uh, you know, your eyes start playing tricks on you for the morning, you know, when the sun's coming up. You start seeing shadows. So I saw a few deer at the feeder, you know, they were yearlings and fawns, they're fairly small. And, you know, my judgment for the size of deer isn't seasoned, so sometimes I'll think they're a little bit larger than what they actually are. So I saw a couple out by the feeder, and it was early, so, you know, I would give them some more time to see if any more, you know, came out my way. Probably about my ten o'clock positioned. I noticed three three deer at about ninety yards, and they were making their way towards the feeder. And then all of a sudden, one turns right towards the blind. I didn't make any noises. It just, you know, divine fate, if you will. And it started closing mm. in. And you know, at this point, I'm saying to myself, "This is my deer." And mm started to get closer and it was just kept walking straight at me. It wasn't, you know, quartering off straight profile shot. And, uh, it got within 25 or 30 yards and it had made its way a little bit further left. So I had to pick up my rifle to swing around the upright and the blind Mm. and every hunter's worst nightmare is to hit the rifle on the blind. (laughs) It goes clink. And it just perks up and I froze. (laughs) So I slowly lowered my rifle on the other side and then went right back down to, uh, to eating some grass and it kept walking, you know, it wasn't stopping. And, uh, so I kind of made my, I don't know, faux deer call. I kind of just made a noise and it stopped. And as soon as it did, I pulled the trigger and, uh, Mm. it was a, very enlightening experience for me, uh, super cold that morning, I think it was below freezing and mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was definitely a heart shot. And once we found out, once we harvested it, but it, you know, pulled the trigger, it dropped right in its tracks and just this massive exhale of, you know, breath came out of this deer and in native American folklore, you know that final exhale, of you know of the animal's its soul, you know, going up into the heavens. Mm. So just mm. being able to see that in the cooler weather, it really, it just embedded in my in my you know my mind of how grateful I was for for its life and it was a very exciting time for me and uh, I had to wait about an hour before I could actually walk down because there were several other deer in the area um, at the feeder and. But you know, when time came to to get picked up, you know, I walked out to the deer and I looked, and you know, to my to my surprise, it was a spike, and I totally thought it was a doe. Uh, so I was mm-hmm. very happy with that. So that's, I guess, you could say my first trophy. Um, so it's at the taxidermy now. I I can't wait to have that hung on my mantle for uh, you know just great memories and you know why why I hunt
0: you know and what I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. What was the, what were like the emotions of, you know, that feeling of this kind of being your first solo hunt, your first solo deer, um, what were the emotions and kind of the feelings that were kind of running through your mind and that you were processing, you know, there after the shot? Because I know that kind of the the pre-shot process, a lot of the times can be, can start to get a little blurry and it happens really fast. And then it's like the emotional load kind of hits almost after the fact. And so tell me more about that and kind of how that felt for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you nailed the the pre-shot emotions, you know, on the head. As far as post, it was really... I I would say quite mindless you know it's like i was more nervous on on identifying mm-hmm. and maybe that's just me being you know over uh just wanting to be over careful and not taking out a buck or a different species and that might sound funny to you know the the you know experienced hunter but as a newbie you know i just want to make sure i'm doing the right thing you know legally yeah um, after the hunts or after the shot it was okay. Targets down. Reset your mind and keep an eye out for for something else. Hmm. So I, I didn't dwell on it. I didn't think about it. You know, I was very excited. Um, but then the next objective was let's find another deer. <laughs> um, so I just I moved on. You know, yeah. so kind of uh, kind of simple. Actually,
0: how, how about that? Yeah, yeah. I uh, that morning I um, on our side of things, let's see, the, the day prior, we had already gotten a couple of deer down and, and kind of the whole objective for this weekend that Taylor shared was um, doing some of the management management work. So we, our eyes were set on the does and uh, axis does and whitetail does and uh, the spikes if an opportunity presented itself. And that morning when, um, when I got up, man, it, you were right, man, it was, it was freezing cold and we were getting geared up and getting going. And I jumped in the, uh, the Ranger with Taylor and a few other, uh, the guys that were there with us. And we had just dropped them off and Taylor said, Hey man, hop up front with me real quick and, you know, make sure to have your, make sure to have your rifle ready because these axis, there's a really good chance that we bump some axis kind of on our drive back out. And, um, and as we started to kind of pull away from the blind that we had just dropped some folks off of, um, Taylor was going to drop me off, I was going to kind of do some still hunting kind of kind of post up uh, under under some trees and uh, kind of find some bushes to kind of tuck back into in a particular spot that he'd been seeing them uh, kind of cross through in days prior. And, uh, we started making our way down that direction and, and sure enough, you know, we bumped, we bumped some axis um, as we were driving in the Ranger and, uh, you know, when he had told me a few moments earlier to, to kind of prepare, I had, you know, flip the safety on, put around in the chamber because normally I don't drive around with, with around on the chamber and, um, kind of dialed down my scope and make sure I was at the lowest possible power, you know. It was still dark outside and, um, but I just, I got ready in a safe way and I kind of found a, a, a decent spot on kind of the windshield of the Ranger that I could kind of rest the rifle on that I knew I could lean down into if I needed to, um, to, to execute a shot. And sure enough, man, we were starting to pull away uh, from dropping those folks off at the blind and we bump a herd of Axis and there's a doe within probably about 30 or 40 yards from us. And she splits and kind of, she gets moving pretty quick and and, uh, looking like she's going to take off. And she ducks behind some brush and some trees. And I was able to kind of reangle and kind of look for the open opportunity and uh, holler at Taylor. I said, put, put the light right there. She's going to come out right there. And he, he, Moved his spotlight over a little bit. And in Texas, uh, you know, you can't spotlight or hunt at dark or anything like that for white deer, but axis as they're considered an exotic species um, is fair game. And so this was all, you know, um, up to par and up to standard. And so, um, but he hit the light on that one spot. And sure enough, she kind of moseyed on throughout that little, that little side right there. And she was hard quartering away and she didn't really, she didn't really slow down on me, but we were so close at like 40 yards. I felt really good about taking kind of that hard, that hard quartering away shot and um, kind of being on the move a little bit. And so I I led her just a little bit with my rifle, um, kind of hung over the the shoulder a little bit, knowing that she was going to walk into the shot, just a hair by the time it got to her. And by the time I executed it, and man, I slowly squeezed that trigger, and boom, it went off. And um, I knew, I knew it was a good hit, and I knew, I knew it felt really, really good. Uh, but it was still dark outside and so she you know she took off and we were like okay well let's go you know let's go set up for a little bit we'll set up for a few hours we'll give her some time and then we'll come back and we'll pick her up after everyone else is done hunting and uh and so and sure enough we did that morning I sat out um posted up under some trees and just watched the sun come up and you know had the rifle ready just in case anything else came out but uh and I saw some axis at a distance and um didn't really get too much of an opportunity on any of them or anything else that morning but you know just sat out under the trees and watched the sun come up and it was just uh, felt felt really great. And it was just super, super, you know, you described it as meditative, you know, spiritual, you know, it's great, great, just great time, just a great slow morning. And there was almost this sense of like, some pressure had almost been released, because it's like, I had already shot a deer that I felt really good about. And it was like that morning, I was just there to experience, you know, experience God's creation, experience nature, experience just the woods waking up around me. And had such a it's such just a, a an amazing feeling and uh and so i you know taylor came back around probably about nine ten o'clock and we went uh we went looking for her and we found we found her and sure enough it was a a, a shot that uh was a hard courting away shot and went right through all the things that needed to go through and she was down within 50 60 70 yards from where we shot and um got her back up and so over the the course of the whole weekend we sh- we had about 5 deer go down i believe is was the number is that right
1: i want to say it was closer to 6 was it yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. And the next evolution of like this whole weekend was really fun for me. It's something I've never done. I've always wanted to, but uh, we had some experts come out um, on the butchering side of things and the processing side of things. And we, we broke down all of these deer. We deboned everything, Um, And we started our own, we started the process of uh, processing these deer ourselves and uh, grinding everything up and, uh, you know, Taylor had his recipe book out and we were adding seasonings and um, making various different breakfast sausages and link sausages, um, grind for hamburger and, you know, we were mixing in Uh, some of the different organs that were harvested as well, the liver, the heart into everything. And so um, that was a really amazing experience for me um, to, to take and walk through the whole process of the harvest, which I've, I'm familiar with. And then the, the the quartering out and the butchering, that's usually where it stops for me. But then to take it beyond that of just the quartering, instead of taking it to the processor and dropping it off, you know, we went in and we we then deboned everything and we got it prepped. And then we, we did the whole processing ourselves. And that night I was, you know, consuming, you know, the deer, not just the backstraps but I was consuming hamburger and sausage that we had, we had, you know, harvested earlier that day. And that was just, that was a really next, like next step and evolution in, in kind of my, you know, hunting journey, hunting career or whatever. Um, and I think I'm gonna make the investment in a grinder this year. And and I think that's something that I wanna carry on moving forward.
1: Yeah, I can't agree more. The, uh, to, to go back when you're talking about relieving some pressure uh, that morning, you know, the, the previous day, you know, I had been skunked. So, you know, we were there on a management hunt and uh, one of our other buddies had, Two deer. I think you got one as well, and you know I kind of felt like I, I wasn't living up to my obligation uh, to you guys as a tribe um, to to bring meat to the table, if you will. And mm-hmm. that morning after you know my first kill, it was like, okay, job's done. Not gonna relax if anything else comes by. That's just the bonus points. Yeah. But moving on to the the butchering and the harvesting. No, I'm still fairly new to that. So anytime I can cut into a deer, you know, I, I greatly appreciate the opportunity to learn more and Mm -hmm. fine tune those skills, but then being able to process it into sausages round was such an amazing experience. It just really brings everything full circle. And I believe I sent you a text or you might've sent me, but as soon as I pulled up to the house, my kids didn't ask about me they just wanted to know where the meat was yeah um and that night i believe we uh we had some Axis hamburgers yeah um but yeah i'm definitely looking at purchasing a grinder uh my wife was all for it you know like i said we both love the kitchen and it just means so much more to when you could literally take it from the field to your table um all on your own and it's just it's a yeah. really cool experience And I'm i'm Forever grateful for uh, Jared coming out and showing us his uh, his tricks.
0: Yeah, yeah, I uh, I am com- completely agree, and uh, I know I can say on behalf of both of us that we're super thankful for Rome and just the privilege it was to participate in that and be a part of the amazing work that they're doing there um, to um, manage the the animals well and be great stewards of the land and regenerate um, some of the land that's out there that they're managing and they're responsible for. Um, and, you know, talking about kind of the butchering process and, you know, I mentioned incorporating the organs into the grind and that sort of thing. Um, tell our listeners more about ancestral supplements and kind of your role there. And, uh, and, and tell us a little bit more, just kind of about that journey that you've got. Yeah, so
1: ancestral supplements, we make, manufacture, bottle, encapsulate desiccated organs. So your liver, your bone marrow, your adrenal, your brain, beef long. You know, we have just over 20 products right now. Uh, It started out as a necessity from Brian, the owner to, you know, help his kids. His kids are really sick. And, you know, as a parent, we're, you know, we don't want to take into account what the doctors are saying, because us as parents, we feel we have this special gift that, you know, we can heal our kids or support our kids' health. And so it started out as a necessity for him to figure out what ways he could help his kids get healthier. And, um, you know, we kind of circled back to ancestral living and nutrition, thus ancestral supplements came about. Mm. Um, and then I heard about them in 2020, uh, January. So uh, I'm sure you're familiar with like carnivore month that happens in January. Mm-hmm. So I was listening to a bunch of podcasts um, from Dr. Paul Saladino, Mike Mutzel. Uh, and a few others in regard to the carnivore diet. I was you know, in the process of going back to school to apply for med school. and But my interest has always been in nutrition. And I found out about ancestral supplements. I just absolutely fell in love with their message. Uh, their website is just a plethora of information on product, ancestral living, and how you can incorporate those tenants into your everyday life, such as the fire and ice, consuming mm-hmm. the organs, you know, because here in the Western Hemisphere, Western diet, you know, we hardly ever incorporate organs into our diets. And they're so nutritious and so commonplace in many other parts of the world, you know, they're just lost out. So it's just coming back full circle um, with with these products. So fast forward to January, I and inadvertently asked my wife, I'm like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? And she's like, Sure. <laughs> so I saw a you know Instagram post from ancestral supplements asking if you know we'd be interested in joining their tribe a few months later uh, after the process of communicating with the owner Brian talking to the tribe flying out for two interviews I was offered a, a position with the company so and this is all going on through the launch of the pandemic uh, of last year mm. and it, The timing was just immaculate. It was kind of like a rebirth for my wife and my kids and I to completely uproot from everything we've ever known and to move to Texas to um, work with Ancestral Supplements. So fast forward to April, we moved here. So we've been here for just less than a year and it has been a wild ride. And I am now the head of wholesale and I'm also a product expert with the company.
0: What a journey and it happened really fast, um, for, for our listeners though, that hear the, you know, um, the language desiccated organs and and hear about consuming organs um you know i've personally just recently been kind of on this uh, newer journey as i've started to adopt a significantly more um, ancestral-based diet um more of a, a, a hunter-based diet a carnivore-ish diet um over the last probably six months or so, and that's that's how I kind of came to understand the benefits and the value of of consuming uh, organ meats in your diet as well. Um, Tell our listeners, though, that that to them that, that this might be sounding crazy or it's just this new idea or it's catching them off guard. Like what? What are you what are you talking about? Tell, tell them more about maybe some of the benefits of why and, and kind of where that roots back to um, our ancestral DNA and, and how that goes back and all the benefits as to why consuming organs on a diet is really important. And then the value of uh, the supplements you guys produce. And I guess I can't really call them supplements. I mean, they're whole food products. Yeah. And so. Um, So the the value of, uh, you know, if you if you're not going to consume these um, from a raw or not raw, but a a organ standpoint, you know, incorporating them in your diet, um, then this is a great alternative or a great addition to make to, to get some of those additional nutrients into your diet.
1: Yeah, no, you, you kind of hit it right on the head. So they are quote unquote, not supplements, they are whole foods. And again, they are desiccated you know, they're freeze dried organ and granular, and then it's just encapsulated. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't enjoy the taste of liver. I am one of Mm -hmm. them, but I have (laughs) no problem throwing a few capsules down the hatch. Yeah. Um, I have grown to acquire a taste for liver and that's because I've thrown it into my grounds, uh, along with kidney Mm -hmm. heart. Now, as far as the nutrient profiles go, you know, there's tons of choline, vitamin A from the liver, B12 for energy, lots of iron. A lot of people, you know, suffer from anemia, or um, vitamin A deficiency, vitamin D deficiency. You know, and they'll take these synthetic, you know, man compounds or you know iron pills, as opposed to consuming it in its natural form. And mm. its natural form, it's more bioavailable to the human body. So. We, we've developed over the last two and a half million years, eating organs and you know, the whole nose to nose to tail, nose to tail fin. And it just kind of got brushed out over the last uh, maybe thousands of years. And so what we're going back to is, you know, our mission as our, as our purpose, and that's putting back in what the modern world has left out. Mm. And then you can agree that the modern world has removed these nutrient dense whole foods. So we're putting that back into um, the system, if you will, at a convenient option for those that do not like the taste of liver or beef heart or brain and can't fathom, you know, having scrambled brain and eggs for breakfast.
0: <laughs> and uh, tell, tell our listeners more about kind of how you incorporate that into... Uh, into your day-to-day diet, what does your day-to-day diet look like, and kind of what's the the premise and the the basis for the way that you you eat right now?
1: So my particular diet or lifestyle, if you will, uh, is a little varied. It varies from week to week. So as of right now, I I still incorporate a lot of intermittent fasting. So I try to consume my meals within a six hour six to eight hour window. So my mornings consist of a cup of Uh, chai chai tea so i'm laying off coffee for a bit so it's uh, it's a combination of cacao chai and a variety of different mushrooms Mm -hmm. so i'll do that with some mct uh, powder and some uh, some cream and some hot water that'll get me through my morning my morning meditation my morning reading and a little bit of work Uh, have our morning meeting and then right around 10 or 11 a.m i'll do my first meal which is generally four to five eggs and a half pound of meat. After that, I'll do a workout. And then I do incorporate a variety of the ancestral supplements throughout the day or throughout the week. So my my hands down everyday ones are gonna be the bone marrow because I don't cook a lot of bone marrow at home. And MOFO, which is our male optimization formula and our uh, fish eggs product because I love Salmon Roe, I love hokey Roe. I just love fish roe. It's super nutritious and it's <laughs> cheaper than going to the sushi bar every day. So those are typically the supplements I always have during the day and then throughout the week, you know, sometimes I'll add brain, uh, depending if I'm having a rough day or need better sleep. Um, sometimes if I want a little pick me up, I'll add our adrenal um then we have one called bovine trachea cartilage which is great for joints and reducing inflammation uh you know i've been working out being fairly active my entire life i'm almost 40 so my joints don't like me all the time so i do take a fair amount of our btc as well um but going Mm -hmm. back to the rest of my food consumption it's probably 80 to 90 percent meat based with a lot of fat and um, as of right now, I'm incorporating a little bit of carbs on one to two days a week, such as potatoes and duck fat, or maybe a little bit of rice. Um, but that's about it right now. So it's mm. it varies, like I said, from, from week to week.
0: Yeah. I think I shared my kind of personal story and journey with um, adopting a similar kind of diet over the last six or seven months now. Um, but I went in uh, probably... Eight, seven eight months ago now. Um, and you know, I've never had, uh, any major issues. I've got heart disease all over my family, but, um, and my, unfortunately my folks aren't around anymore due to complications that originated from a lot of other things, but also some heart disease issues. And, uh, I went into the doctor's office and it was the second time I've been in recently just to do some, you know, regular, you know, blood work checking and that sort of thing. I kind of I keep an eye on my testosterone and all the things and so. Um and in doing so, um, it was the second time my blood pressure was really, really high. I was in like the I was like 156 over 90 something. And uh and the doctor when I met with them brought it up and said, you know, hey, like we're starting to see a trend of high blood pressure. And, you know, no no fault of their own but like his default response and next step was here's here's a medication we need to we need to start exploring getting you on medication and after you know describing my family history and kind of all the effects of uh, kind of what has gone gone on in my family history and all that all that stuff of heart disease and all the stuff he kind of he kind of looked at me and said hey man like I'm I hate to say it, but you're just kind of screwed. So like, cause I I asked about diet nutrition and what I need to do. And he's like, man, whether you deal with this now or later, like this is an issue that is just in your family, you're going to have to deal with. And I, I chewed on that when I came home and, and really uh, through just having some conversations with a mutual friend of ours and um, really just diving into this, like, okay, wait, what does this mean? Like, do I need to, am, am I now, needing to be on a medication for the rest of my life? Or is there something more that I can do? Um And just I, I wasn't willing to accept what he was kind of dishing out that, hey, sorry, buddy, you're just screwed. And so it, it led me on this really deep kind of research path and journey of, okay, what can I do? to address this in my life. Like, what are the things I already eat a, a fairly healthy, healthy diet? Um, I've got history of utilizing a, a plant-based diet in my past and that sort of thing. And, uh, and ironically, I, I think that that actually set me up to actually be facing some of these, these issues, but I can divert, I, I'll, I'll go down that path and on a different podcast, I think, but I, uh, I started going down the, the research avenues and exploring what, um, what options there were for me. And, um, the more I got into it, the deeper I started seeing that the, the benefits of a, a ketogenic diet, a low carb diet, um, with those with high blood pressure, the benefits of, you know, nose to tail eating and a more carnivore animal-based diet, um, would result in. And so I made the leap and, and I was probably, um, I would probably have. Most people would have defined myself as a carnivore, like a mostly carnivore diet, um, and I did that for several months, and then kind of transitioned back to uh, more more of a low carb paleo uh, diet, where there's just a, a little bit of consuming some fruit from time to time, a little bit of some sweet potato from time to time, um, kind of like the way you described it, a couple of days a week, um, in in moderation when when I did, but you know, always always more or less under 50 grams of carbs most days of the week. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and i tell you what, man, um, you know, after monitoring my blood pressure beforehand and getting regularly high readings, and then after four months of changing that around, um, of incorporating, I started incorporating some liver into my diet. I would kind of do what you suggested, grinding it up, um, putting it in the, in the grind with my burgers and that sort of thing. So it was less noticeable. Um, but incorporating some of that into the diet and embracing kind of the, the, um, you know as, as crazy as it might seem to just any, anyone, a carnivore based diet, but like it really made a huge impact in my world and, um, blood pressure got under control instantly. You know, um, as you can imagine, I started losing some weight and dropped down. Um, I'm lighter than I've been in a long time since I was competing in the bodybuilding world. I'm um, back, back kind of almost to that that kind of fight weight and, uh, and feeling really, really great from an energy standpoint. And, uh, the blood pressure, um, you know, I started incorporating a little bit of potassium in my diet right out of the gate that dropped it down a few points. And then after several months of uh, a low carb, you know, animal-based diet, my blood pressure got in control like easily. And, and that was really the, the only thing that changed my cardio and my training and all the things stayed, stayed the same. And, uh, and I would have classified myself as eating healthy beforehand. Like my diet was pretty buttoned up. Um, it was just carb heavy and it was carb based. And, um, and that kind of stemmed from some of the plant-based eating that I was doing in years prior. And, um, Yeah, it it made a huge difference. I I went in and got my checkup earlier this week to just look at some blood, uh, some blood work as well. And like my testosterone was through the roof. And and so I, I saw these amazing effects from adopting this kind of, this kind of lifestyle um, for my blood pressure and for, uh, for the testosterone benefits, my training. I'm leaner than I've been. I feel good. I've got a lot of energy. And I'm, I'm really, you know, I, I can't get into, I don't have the, a big enough brain to get into the science and get in depth, but it just makes a lot of sense to me. Like, you know, up until a couple hundred years ago, this is the way like humans used to eat. We were, we were hunters and gatherers, you know, and until the agricultural revolution hit and then the explosion of refined foods and carbohydrate, you know, being so carbohydrate based in our diets, like our bodies have not caught up to that. And that's where we see this, this influx of chronic illness across the board. And you see, you know, marathon runners getting heart attacks and stuff when they quote unquote are eating healthy. And, um, it's just it's just this it's just this new path and it's it, i guess it it's it's this new path that our bodies have not adapted to yet they're not ready for and and like this that was a, a huge revelation to me as as uh, as the last few months have unfolded and then i've got the blood work and the 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 real peer results to back up the effects of adopting this kind of of lifestyle at least for me personally
1: yeah i mean when you have the science and the the numbers and the labs you know it's not it's not a fad it's it's proven you know you're you're witnessing it firsthand so when people are like oh that's just a fad that well no it's not you know it, it's it may seem unorthodox because it's not mainstream you know but the numbers speak for themselves yeah. and i would say in the last probably two to three years, you know, this way of eating has become more mainstream. And I, I would love to see more people eat like this, I'm not going to push it on any particular person. Right. However, you know, if, if my friends come to me with advice on or, you know, help with their diet, then yeah, I would suggest this way of eating because obviously, the way they have been eating, you know, isn't working out for them. And um, yeah, you're right, you know, there's people that look healthy. and they might be running marathons and then all of a sudden they drop dead. And, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's unfortunate, um, that our society has been pushing a plant-based or a grain-based diet. Um, you know, and just, it's not working out for us. As you said, our bodies aren't made to consume such high amounts. And we evolved as hunter gatherers and meat eaters and fat eaters. And, you know, it's, I have more energy. You've talked about having more energy, lower, lower numbers uh, with your blood counts. So it's, um, you know, it's what we're supposed to do. And, And I'm glad to see that, um, you know, people like us can kind of influence and, and lead others to, to this style.
0: Yeah. Well, tell me, uh, tell me more about your family, man. Like how does, um, Tell me about your girls and, and your wife and, you know, how you guys kind of uh, incorporate maybe uh, some of that nutrition into your lifestyle as well. And uh, and just in general, tell me more about your family.
1: Yeah, so my two girls, uh, three and six, soon to be seven and four, although I feel like they're going on 18, um, we <laughs> always had good food on the table. You know, one thing I learned growing up is no matter what's going on, always have you know, a good meal. And, um, as soon as, you know, they had teeth or, you know, somewhat, uh, we started giving them steak from the get go, you know, whether or not Hmm. they chew it or kind of suck on it. So I've always, I won't say enforced, but I've always wanted them to, you know, have proper amounts of protein and fats, especially for the neurological development for, for, for young kids. And to this day, you know, my kids will, throw down an entire steak. They're not big on chicken. They do love, you know, their potatoes and sweet potatoes and, and toast. Um but they love steak and that just makes my heart so happy. My wife was telling me a story. Uh last night they're in San Antonio and the waitress asked them what they wanted to eat and they had kid steaks on the menu. And they go steak and she goes, well, how do you want it cooked? And they both reply, bloody. <laughs> and, uh, so, wow. uh, while some people might think that's uh, a bit, you know, chaotic, uh, they don't mean completely rare,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but they definitely like it pink.
0: Yeah. And
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, we don't force them to eat anything. We just kind of encourage them to make the, the right decisions. Um, the younger one, yeah we might kind of force it upon her but our older one you know if she asks for a steak i will not hesitate to to cook one for her um, but my wife and i eat fairly healthy um and again i guess that could be relative you know um but yeah we eat a lot of meat a lot of fat in the house and uh you know we just it's not the quantity of food that we feel is important for them but the quality mm. and um yeah and then they take our the supplements as well my youngest one loves to eat the tallow so it's basically just a soft gel cap with a bunch of uh, you know beef tallow in the middle of it so she likes to pop those in her mouth and they're really great if you take a spoon of them and cover it with honey so my wife says it tastes like kettle corn so you, you pop the tallow in your mouth and then you have the honey So it's a it's a good bittersweet uh, treat, I guess. Uh, And my younger one also likes the colostrum capsules as well. So when you bite into those, um, if you've ever had colostrum, it's a bit sweet. Uh, So this is kind of like just a sweet powder um, in your mouth. Mm. But yeah, she loves those. And then you know, I'll take the organs or the liver or you know, whichever I have um, at my hand side. And I'll break open the the capsules and I'll mix it into their food. So if we're having hamburgers, you know, I'll mix it into the ground. Uh, I'll mix it in with, um, like a smoothie or like cherry juice or something Hmm. and give them like a little, you know, a little treat. So any way I could, you know, get them to incorporate those, um, generally works. But again, my youngest one, she's definitely a little carnivore, but whenever we do make bone marrow, I literally have to fight her for the bones. Um, so she, I'm not going to have to worry about her, um, in the future when it comes
0: to eating like this, that's for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. We've, uh, we've adopted, um, uh, I get, I think a similar mindset in that we just have this abundance of, of great healthy choices for them. You know, we don't, uh, we don't necessarily regulate from a, oh, you need, you need this, not that you need this, not that it's just that the choices that we make available to them are all really great choices, you know, so your, your lean meats, your healthy carbohydrate sources, you know, um, definitely kind of fall on that ancestral consistent, you know, paleo lifestyle as a family as well in our house. And, um, that seems to so far work, work well for us, you know, we're not so strict that, you know, if we, they go to a, they go to a birthday party or something like that, you know, if they want a cupcake, then they get a cupcake and that's fine, you know, but if we're making the cupcakes, then, you know, they're going to be, uh, more of a, you know, plant-based or I'm sorry, a, um, uh, paleo based, uh, kind of cupcake. And we're gonna try to moderate the sugar intake and that sort of thing. And we're super mindful to that during the day. Um, but other than that, like, we just don't keep that stuff in the house, you know, it's, exactly. you gotta go to a birthday party to get that type of stuff. And so it's not a, any sense of like, you know, regulating. Cause my, my kiddos are young too. They're um, six is my oldest. And then the twins are about to turn five here in May. And so, um, but yeah, so we just kind of, kind of keep it, keep it in moderation and, and mindful to just the, uh, just having an abundant amount of healthy choices. And then all of our dinners are consistent of, you know, healthy meat and sometimes, you know, um, a, a carbohydrate option and sometimes not, sometimes it's just healthy meat and fat and that sort of thing. And so, um, it's just kind of dependent upon what my wife is cooking and that sort of thing. And then they always tend to gravitate towards peanut butter and apples for dessert, um, in the evenings. And that's kind of become a consistent, consistent thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm curious, tell me more about, um, you know, incorporating like the beef tallow and the um, the colostrum into their diets. So, what are some of the ways in which that's benefiting them? I'm curious.
1: Yes, the tallow, you know, it's, you know, basically all fat, mm-hmm. so it's loaded with uh, you know vitamin E. Um, so basically, you know, for neurological development, you know, it's great for for them. And you know, if they aren't eating a lot, so I can't really control what they eat at school. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes they'll come home with a full lunchbox. So as long as I can get some good fats, some good, healthy fats into their daily diet, uh, I do think that's vital for them. And again, you know, I'll, I'll cover it with some honey that way. It's a little sweeter for them. And my youngest one just likes the way they pop in her mouth. Um, And then the colostrum is great for building their immune system as well as supporting optimal gut health. So you got to think that us as mammals, our very first food ever is colostrum, um, and then after that it's basically just milk. So mm-hmm. being that colostrum is such a vital source of n- nutrients um, for for young mam- mammals that are you know coming to this world, they're full of you know um, immunoglobulins um, for boosting your immunity. It's great to reset your gut health. So if kids are having, you know, irritable, irritable bowel syndrome or constipation, uh, just from the sad diet, and this is a great uh, way to combat that or to just maintain. So definitely, those two are are great for for the little ones for sure.
0: Uh, that's interesting. Do you know, we've been, uh, my daughter has been struggling with some like rashes from like eczema and that sort of thing. And we've been tinkering around with, you know, what happens when we're, you know, more gluten-free and what happens when we're more, you know, grain-free and what, you know, what do we need here? What do we need there? And some topical stuff, but offline, I'll have to pick your brain see if there's anything that maybe we could explore from a, an animal-based, uh, standpoint or, you know, um, product that you guys might offer that might support that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, Speaking of our kiddos, man, like, tell me more about how you guys are, you know, planning on and passing down, you know, you've adopted this um, lifestyle, or this kind of, um, you know, passion of the outdoors and hunting, harvesting your own meat to bring home to the table. Um, this organic, you know, amazing, high highest quality, you can find meat bringing to, to bring it to the table, what are your aspirations of like getting your your kids involved in that I know you talked about your your wife um, was kind of introduced to to a little bit of that this year, you know, is she interested in getting out hunting? Are you guys planning more in future hunts as a family, you know, because um, it sounds like your your kids are probably just getting to that right about age, you know, six about to be seven, um, at least out here in Texas, we often will start hearing about kiddos starting to get out, you know, in the blinds with their parents and starting to experience kind of all that, you know, hunting has to offer and experience that passion that their, their families have and share. So tell me more about kind of the ways in which you're thinking about that now and kind of what you guys are doing um, thus far.
1: Yeah. Uh, great question. So basically as soon as I got the itch and um, started drinking the Kool-Aid with hunting, uh, my wife was like, when can I go out? This looks like so much fun. <laughs> She uh, was in the Air Force, she went to sewer school, so she's killed and cooked you know, some wild-caught animals, not the size of a deer, um, but you know, nonetheless, she has lived off the land. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it is off-season right now, uh, we are um, acquiring um, some firearms for her and some hunting equipment. That way, come season, we'll be ready to rock and roll. Uh, we'll be going to the gun range here soon uh, to sight in her rifle and uh, bought my oldest one a BB gun for Christmas. So we've been working on you know, marksmanship, firearm safety, um, and just the super basics with her. And this fall or winter, I do anticipate taking both of them out um, on a hunt.
0: Awesome. That's great. Do you, um, do you anticipate, I mean, I'm sure your wife is uh, excited to be behind the trigger and, uh, and getting an animal down. Do you anticipate um, having your oldest daughter in, in the blind when that happens so she can see it and experience it? Are you thinking about putting her behind a rifle? Um, kind of, what are you thinking?
1: Uh, I'm, I don't know if I want to take them out individually or mm-hmm. um, one at a time possibly individually to begin with. And then later in the season, if we can all go together, but three people in a blind, one being a child might not be the best. Uh, it just really Fair depends enough. on her development with the, with the firearm and how comfortable she feels. Um, yeah. You know, if she's comfortable, you know, pulling the trigger, then by all means, I'll let her do it. But if not, then at least maybe she can be my spotter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. We um, let's see. I, I, we, with Tenley my oldest we're slowly starting to think about kind of the the next steps of that and um i think it it probably won't be this year but it likely be the year after that that i think she'll be able to um to get out she's been a part of and my son has kind of the the back end process and you know we're we're not we're not bashful about showing her the meat and making it a biology lesson and you know what I mean? And so, and I brought deer home and clean up the house and they've asked questions and we've talked through it and that sort of thing. And, you know, um, you know, we, we homeschool at the house. And so that's just a, that's just a high-end biology lesson for us. And so we're not bashful about any of that and kind of getting that, um, exposure in early. Uh, but they, uh, I think that and we'll probably start getting her behind um, if she wants to. Uh, we'll start getting her behind a rifle here pretty soon. Um, and I've got a little 17 HMR that she can start practicing on and then we might acquire like a you know 2250 or something like that to help help take those next steps and my son is man he's full tilt boy and he's sat in the blind with me before and uh, when let's see I I took a I took a doe with um, a crossbow. And he was in the blind with me when that happened. And uh, and he was super into it and thought it was cool. And he had fun tracking the blood afterwards and everything. And, um, and he was three when he first did that. And he's oh, just wow. super gung ho. Yeah, and, and I positioned him, you yeah, know, that sounds crazy. But uh, I positioned him, I set him up with a little iPad and some headphones. And so he could kind of goof around for a little bit. And we're not, we're not mm-hmm. big into the screens or anything like that. But I wanted to keep him comfortable. And I just wanted him to be a part of it. And then I kind of nudged him um, before taking the shot and got him, got him focused. Photo- focused in, showed him what we were doing. And I'd point out the deers, they would come by and that sort of thing. And so, um, and he had a blast with it and I positioned myself kind of in between him and then the crossbow just to make sure that, you know, everything was safe and and good there. And so, but he had a blast uh, tracking the blood afterwards and coming up on the deer and, you know, making an experience. And that was really, really fun. And, um, I think uh, you know something like a crossbow um, can be really helpful in that and in introducing kids to some of that sort of things. It does make you know the quietness because you got to get close and that sort of thing. Um, in order to do that, it makes it it can make that a little bit challenging with them. But it's a it's a quieter weapon, and, and it's still you know, obviously extremely lethal and it can do everything it needs to do. Um, but it's quieter. There's less of this like. Um, Big, loud. I know you're an archer too, so you probably understand this as well. But like it's there's there's less of this loud moment and explosion that occurs um, when when you're taking the animal. It's just this it's quiet, subtle you know, the, the string snaps and then, and then it's done, you know what I mean? And then, so that's been helpful for me and something else we started doing over the last, uh, two years is we, we live out here in, um, where we've got access to about, uh, 150 acres in, in nature reserve. can't, can't hunt it. Um, but we can, uh, uh, we got a ton of deer out on the property. And so we do a lot of shed hunting. And that's one way that I've been incorporating, um, kind of this, um, outdoor lifestyle and that sort of thing is, is grabbing my kids and throwing them on my shoulders and let's go look for deer antlers. And so, and I'm actually looking at two of them. I've got my son's first deer shed that I, I write their name on it. And I set it over here on, on my desk. And then I've got my daughter. She just, uh, my oldest Tinley, she got, got hers just a few weeks ago. She found her first deer shed. And so wrote, uh, wrote her little name on that and dated it. And I've got it set up on my desk and now I've got to go find, uh, Sadie, my, the, little girl twin Well we got to go find her one this season now and so but that's really fun the deer shed stuff and uh deer shed hunting is is a really neat way to get them out get them outside get them experiencing it get them searching for it. it's like a fun easter egg hunt you know
1: oh that sounds cool yeah we typically go on uh nature walks or hikes around uh same houston national forest because we live fairly close to there yeah and um you know, there's quite a bit of trail, and maybe if we can get off trail a bit. Maybe we can uh, go find some uh, some sheds as well. That'd be super cool, and I'd love to do that.
0: Yeah, that's it. Awesome, man. Well, um, I'll tell you what, brother. I've had a awesome time hanging out with you uh, today. I know we've been we've been chatting and going for quite a quite a while here. Um, we've got some stuff. If if our listeners want to learn um, a little bit more, I guess before we get there, do um, you have any other hunts planned this year?
1: Uh, not. Not set in stone, definitely going back to Rome ranch, uh, white tail. Definitely going to get a Turkey for Thanksgiving. I I was, I was actually planning on going up to Wyoming, um, for, uh, elk hunting. Um, yeah, enough. The day I decided to look into it was the last day to apply for the lottery. So needless to say my first baking hunt will not be until 2022, (laughs) but that's okay. Um, the, the year is early. Um, so lots can happen between now
0: and then. So what about, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just, uh, talking about the application deadline, I just jumped on a buddy's application for, um, an elk hunt uh, in September in New Mexico. And so now that's a pure lottery as well. So we're going to have to stand by and just see if we get drawn there, but he's familiar with the units out there. And so that could be really exciting. I've done a couple of elk hunts before. Um, and uh, I should say one elk hunt before and one bear hunt. And so I've done a couple of Western hunts and, um, haven't been successful yet, but man, I've been dreaming about elk since, gosh, seven years ago or so and uh and have yet to harvest ha- harvest one. And I'm just now kind of finally getting to that season where, man, from a, a kid's growing up perspective, a time perspective, a financial perspective, all the things are kind of starting to align a little bit where I can do it a little bit more often and get out and and uh and get out west more. And, and definitely that's something that I'm looking forward to. You know, you talked about uh, establishing family traditions in, you know, in the house and in the home. And, you know, I'm trying to get out there and get out West a lot so that I can just learn and experience it. You know, if I've got a tag or not, I just want to get out and, and see what the what is and see how to, how to get on elk and how to get into, you know, some of the Western big game animals that we have access to through, through the public land. And so I can take my kiddos out there one day. Like that's a, that's a huge dream of mine is to be able to take them out in the mountains and bomber around and chase animals and get off trail and, and do do some really fun big things out there so we've got that planned and then um my whitetail season is still kind of tbd um i've got An opportunity to get up uh, to Northwest Texas. Um, We've, we've got out and hunt this particular ranch out there a few years in a row. And he's got some, he's got some real big deer. And, uh, and this year I've got uh, permission to uh, pursue a a, a more or less a a trophy, a mature buck. And so, uh, man, I'm super excited about that. I've been hunting for 10 years and I have yet to take a trophy buck. Um, someone so what, what some I, you know you classify trophy however you want to do it um, a lot of people say the, the meat is the trophy and i and I agree completely but as you like evolve as a hunter the desire to pursue um, a, a bigger animal that is more mature that is smarter and more challenging and you know you got to get in close with the bow I'm a big bow hunter and like that, that challenge, um, I've yet to meet yet, and I've yet to have an opportunity to do so. And so I'm really excited about, about that. And, um, you know, in, in, in Texas, there's a lot of, um, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a pay to play game on the whitetail side of things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, and this is the first, you know, opportunity that, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a pay to play thing. It's a, no, like a, you know, developed a relationship and, um, through that relationship and being a good person and uh, being a good character and, and serving them well and so on and so forth. And through the other person's generosity that they've invited me to, to take part in this. And that's just that, that just feels so encouraging. And I'm so grateful and thankful, um, for that, and for for that opportunity and so um you know looking looking forward to that opportunity this year and kind of the rest is kind of up in the up in the air but i know a, a few things will kind of always pop up they always do um i'll be out in south texas in april um looking at some javelina and potentially some turkey we'll just have to uh wait and see uh, what's uh what's going to be available for us then when we get out there so but excited about the hunting season and uh and that's coming around and looking forward to it man if um going back kind of if, if our listeners want to learn more about ancestral supplements and they want to uh, kind of dive in a little bit deeper to kind of some of the things we hit on today. Um, it's ancestral correct?
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And you were super generous, man. You set up a um, a promotion code for our listeners that if they want to, um, to check out anything or to pick up anything, they can do so for 10% off. They use the coupon code full curl 10 fullcurl U R L one zero 0 and at checkout and that'll get them 10% off. Sir. And man, I can't, I can't thank you enough for that, and taking care of our listeners today. And uh, man, it's been, it's been great hanging out with you, great chatting with you. And I, uh, I've really, really appreciated it. And, um, and we'll, we'll include some of that information in the show notes as well, and, uh, and we'll put a link to, um, to Rome Ranch, their website as well. I think it's just RomeRanch.com if, if listeners want to tune into that.
1: Very cool, man. Yeah, dude, it was awesome uh, catching up with you finally. It's been long awaited, and uh, hopefully we can get together soon and go some trail hiking or shed hunting or who knows maybe we'll go hog hunting soon enough so
0: there you go man would love it absolutely thanks again james i appreciate you man
1: all right man take care